So the reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 15 to 25. When the disciples had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I don't suppose that even the whole world would have enough room for the books that could be written. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Chris. Earlier, we had our confession, and we know that God has forgiven us. We're going to sing a song now about not only how God has forgiven us, but how his power lives in us. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Ah, oh, thank you. Everybody else was a bit subdued, but thank you for that. I got a good good morning there. So, what was last week? Anybody can tell me. Go on. Easter, yeah. So, what happens now after Easter? Well, last week we remembered Good Friday and Easter, didn't we? We remembered where Jesus was taken, he was crucified, he rose again. And today we're going to pick up the story and we're going to. Well, we're going to think a little bit about what just happened on the screen and what we talked about. And some of you might be able to help me reenact that. And then we're going to think about what happened when Jesus spoke to the disciples after breakfast. Okay? 
So this part of the, the Gospel of John, um, the writer is kind of describing the transition between the, in the story. We're moving from this, this focus on Jesus and his mission and moving to, to what's going to happen with his people and the, the emerging church and what Jesus' um, legacy is going to be on earth through his disciples. Um, and the end of the, the last chapter kind of really, really sums it up. And it, it says, the, the writer says, the purpose of this gospel is to let everyone know about the work of Jesus so that they can receive full life in him. But today, we're not quite there yet. Today, we're on a beach. We, the reading today is about a barbecue on a beach with some friends. It's about a restoration of a relationship. It's about friends reunited. Trademark. No. Um, so let's, let's reenact our reading, shall we? Let's reenact what we just saw on the screen. Can I have... Have we got... Oh. Can I have another six volunteers then? Come on. <laughs> We need another six to make up, make up a full set of disciples in the boat. Anybody else want to come up? Yep, come on. Are you coming, Dan? Yep. Could I get four more? Don't worry if not. Oh, here we go. Great stuff. One, two, three, four. Five, six, yeah. Okay. Got another one? Oh, fantastic. Come on up. Oh, we're going to have a full boat. Yeah, keep coming. That's all right. Right. Okay, so we're all here now, right? But, but what are we going to do? Well, that's what the disciples were wondering, you see. Because the beginning of that story um, that we saw on the video, the disciples decided they were going to go and catch fish. Yeah, because the disciples had kind of got to this point where they'd been hanging around with Jesus all this time. And every day spending that with him. And now he was, he was kind of gone. And he, and he wasn't there. He'd come to see them, but he wasn't with them all the time. So they're asking themselves what they're going to do. And they said, well, we used to fish. Let's go and fish. So Peter led them out and they went fishing. So if this is our ocean here, should we go out in our boat in the middle in a line? Can we make a line in the middle here? Yeah? Okay. So we're all in our boat, Right? So when we're when we fishing, what did we see on the video there? We, we saw them throwing out nets, didn't we? Well, they didn't use fishing rods. They had big nets. So should we throw our nets out into the ocean? Yeah? Okay. Have we caught anything, do you think? No. no? Okay. Let's, let's pull them in then. Pull, in, pull the nets in. Pull the nets in. Okay. Yeah, we're going to pull them in. And should we throw them out the other side and see what happens? Okay. Throw them out. Okay. Well, we haven't got any yet, I don't think. Because it's, 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 not, it's not time for breakfast yet. So should we keep doing this all night? Oh, okay, well, that's what the disciples did. The disciples were out there all night, and they didn't catch anything. Yeah, so they saw somebody on the beach, didn't they? And they didn't know who it was, but they saw a figure, and the figure called out to them and said, Have you caught any fish? And they said, No. And like, like on the video there, I mean, they might have been wondering what this person on the beach was, was all about, because they'd been in the boat all night, and they hadn't caught anything. But... This person, they didn't know who it was at this point, said, throw the, throw the, the nets over the right side. Yeah, so let's throw them out, shall we? Throw them out. There we go. Now, we've got fish this time. So, should we start to, to try and pull some of these fish in? But they're really heavy because 150, how many? 152. 153. 200. 200. No, <laughs> a thousand. No, we can't keep going like that. But we've got lots and lots of fish. Keep, keep pulling them in, pulling them in. Okay. Now, one of the disciples said, I think that's Jesus. And Peter, 
being, being like Peter was, being a bit impetuous, he jumped in and then just disappeared, left the rest of them to keep pulling the fish in while he went over to the beach. So does somebody want to go back up to the beach? Yeah, okay. So, and the rest of you, you're going to have to help me with these fish because we've still got these fish to pull in. So come on, pull them all in, pull them all in, pull them in. And eventually... They got back to the beach and they saw that it was Jesus. And they saw Jesus with his, with his fire, with his barbecue ready. And everybody sat down to have bread and fish for breakfast. So thank you for helping me. Thank you. Right, if we can sit down and we'll think about what the disciples and Jesus were thinking when they were on the beach. You see, the disciples had gone to Jerusalem with Jesus. Um, they'd gone with this trusted friend who was arrested. They'd seen this him crucified, this one that they'd been, been with for three years. They'd, they'd kind of seen the, the appearances of Jesus after um, his death and resurrection. They were understandably confused about the future and wondering what was going on. And so they, they fell back on the patterns they were used to. They went out and they, they fished. But they then met Jesus on the beach. And I was trying to understand, I was trying to think about what it must have been like for those disciples on that beach to see Jesus at that point. And I kind of think it must have been confusing. It must have been a relief in some ways. It was likely awkward and strange as much as it was amazing. You know, we've already thought that the disciples have had this, this kind of amazing roller coaster journey with Jesus. And especially in the previous week, they had this, this kind of series of confusing events uh, where they, they'd seen things go from the, the heights of the triumphal entry and people welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem to him being crucified in, um, outside the city. Their lives for the past few years had been with this man, traveling with him, learning from him, being with him wherever he went, and it had all been thrown into turmoil. No doubt they were questioning what was going on. They were confused, unsure how to proceed, and so went and fished. They lost somebody who was close to them, the one who, as a friend, they'd spent time with, just like they were about to this morning. They'd, just, they'd been in each other's pockets for, for three years, being taught in a way that nobody else had ever taught them. They weren't sure how to go on with life without him and just fell back into old patterns. So no doubt, meeting Jesus at breakfast, like with the previous resurrection appearances, it was a little bit odd, a little bit awkward. Jesus was back, but things were different. Jesus was different. Post-resurrection, people didn't immediately recognize Jesus for who he was. There was something different about him. He wasn't recognized. He was often mistaken for someone else. It was the same Jesus, but he wasn't immediately recognized. Maybe it was a bit awkward because they didn't know how to behave and react around him now that he would come back to them, now that they'd seen everything that he promised fulfilled. Now, he told them, the disciples, in the upper room prior to his death, that he was going to be going away. He'd warned them that this relationship was going to change. He told them that there was going to be one coming after him who's going to help and support them um, and to maintain the relationship that they had with him and with God. They'd already been warned that things were going to be different, and yet here they were in that moment, no doubt, confused 
and finding things a bit different and a bit odd. And it must have been especially awkward for Peter. You know, Peter is the one who's there with the group before Jesus, jumps out of the boat impetuously to meet him. But he's the one who, in the previous week, had completely fallen flat on his face. He's the one who Jesus said to him, you know, you're going to deny me um, in the next few days. And Peter's like, no, 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 I would lay down my life for you. And yet, in a few hours' time, he denied Jesus three times, denied that he even knew anything about him. So no doubt Peter was finding all this a bit strange and a bit awkward. Like meeting an old friend for the first time when there's some bad blood between you or something's gone on. The relationship maybe wasn't quite right. Maybe it was a bit awkward. And Peter himself must have felt terrible about what, he'd, what had happened. Um, he'd been so sure that it wouldn't happen, that he wouldn't deny Jesus. And yet it happened exactly as Jesus had predicted. Perhaps he was even embarrassed about what had happened. So thinking about all this, thinking about you know, that, that kind of awkwardness, thinking about maybe the, the butterfly in the stomach feeling that the, the, the disciples had in, in this kind of meeting with Jesus, the excitement, the uncertainty, the anxiety, all spinning around um, as they sit and they eat breakfast with this one who had been their, their teacher, their mentor, this one that they'd seen coming to Jerusalem to great acclamation, the one they'd seen crucified, the one who had died, and then the one that had come back and uh, was with them now. And we see in this story that as they sit and they finish breakfast, Peter then is spoken to by Jesus. And just as Peter denied Jesus three times, um, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And three times Peter replies that yes, he does. And actually Peter gets a bit upset because he's like, well, well why are you asking me? Of course I do. But we have this, this echoing of Peter's threefold denial in that three times he's asked and three times he answers Jesus. It resonates, of course, with the original setting of the disciples being called because they were called from being fishermen. So this setting of them on the beach um, is appropriate for Peter being reinstated. The miracle of the catch of fish, pulling the, these 150-odd fish into the boat, um, takes place. And it's like the, the hall of fish at the call of Peter originally in Luke 5. And the, the charcoal fire reminding us of that threefold denial of Peter around the fire in the days prior. Ultimately, after that threefold affirmation of Peter, after Peter is restored by Jesus' words, um, the, the passage goes on to talk about the future, about how Peter will glorify God, how Peter will die, and what will be happening to, to one of the other disciples. But there are two key things that I'd like to, to just draw attention to this morning. Two things that maybe aren't aren't the primary things that you maybe take away from the, um, the text, but just two things that sit and I think are really helpful for us to remember this morning. The first is that we have a God who is present in the mundane, a God who is present in the boring, in the everyday. And what do I mean by that? I mean that God is present in the boring, the simple, and the known, those things that we, we do, that we sometimes just, just do by rote. So when we look at the story this morning. We've thought about maybe the, the, the anxiety of the disciples, the difficult time they were having. Things have been changing so much. They were unmoored, they were uncertain. And Jesus meets them on a beach. He meets them 
in the same way that he met them originally. He meets them in a way doing something that they were familiar with, their fishing. He meets them, and it's not a massive pomp and circumstance. He invites them to come and to sit with him and simply have breakfast on a beach before anything else happens. They have a meal, they sit, maybe they have a conversation, like they've done maybe a hundred, a thousand times before in the previous years of Jesus' ministry and his time with the disciples. And I want to call that, that picture out because it helps us to remember that, that God is present in the simple acts of life, of meeting and eating together. In the simple things that we do day to day in life, God is present. Yes, God is present with us in church. And we sometimes say we come into church to meet with God, but it's not really that. God is present everywhere. When we come to church to meet God, that's for our benefit, to to help us to focus on God and to, to know his presence with us. But actually, God in our everyday lives is there and is present and is with us. God's interested in the normal, in us as we go about our washing up as we do the babysitting, as we walk the dog, as we travel to work, as we go to school and we sit in that boring lesson. I'm not going to mention any particular lessons because I know we've got teachers in here and I don't want to upset anybody. But God is present in the simple and the mundane. Yes, God is here with us in church. He's here with us when we, when we celebrate. He's here with us in the big things in life. But God is there in the mundane and in the boring. You know, and it's perfectly in line with what Jesus taught. Jesus met with people where they were at. He met people in the everyday. He instituted the sacrament of communion in a simple meal setting, in a context with his disciples. Um, the, the Lord's Prayer, in as much as it's a prayer that, that is a pattern for us, is, uh, sorry, a prayer that's a pattern for us to, to speak and to pray to God, it's also a pattern for life. It's about patterns and rhythms. It's about aligning us with God so that every day in everything that we do, we remember God and we're focused on him. So all we are and all we have is in and through God, is established in him. All of our our life is known to God, the big and the small, the exciting and the boring. And that brings us on to the second thing. So, So God is with us in the mundane. God wants to be in relationship with us. See, Peter and Jesus have this interaction, um, on the beach, and it tells us something important about God's attitude towards humanity. Peter's forgiven by Jesus, and he's, he's restored, but it's not based on anything that Peter has done. Peter declares his love for God, and he's restored, but he doesn't do anything. He doesn't physically go and do anything great in order to be restored, and it's a powerful reminder of us and our value to God as people. The world in which we live, this, this, particularly the Western world, kind of under capitalism, teaches us that, that, that value is something that only comes through utility, that we are valuable because of what we give to society. We are valued by our friends and our family because of the things that we do for them. Uh, we're valued at work because of the things that we can do, and that if we can do them better, then we get paid more. Um, even down to the way we treat the world around us, we, we treat land as having value because of things that we can grow on it and, and things that we can sell and things that we can consume. And our world is very much derived, uh, sorry, our world, our Western world under capitalism, very much derives value in, in this utility, in the things that we do. And it doesn't lay much value on just things existing 
and things being valuable because of intrinsically what they are. And in this picture with Jesus, Peter's restoration doesn't depend on anything he's done. It doesn't depend on his job. It doesn't depend on his output. It depends on him and his confession of the Lord Jesus Christ. His relationship is restored, not because of anything he does, but because of what he believes and confesses. That is a great reminder for us, and I find it a great reminder for me personally, that my value in God's eyes is not anything to do with how great I am at my job, how many people I can convince to come to church, of how many people I can help in the street. My value to God is simply because of who I am, because he made me who I am, and I am valuable in his sight. Each and every one of us as human beings has an inherent worth and value. There is glory and honor in every human being because they're made in the image of God. And yes, not everyone will know the Lord Jesus Christ. Not everyone will enjoy that full relationship with God that can be, um, can be realized by putting our faith and our trust in him and accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as our savior. But it's the, the inherent value and worth of humanity that drove God to send his son down to earth so that he could show his love for us, that he could show how much he values us and loves us and make a way for us to restore that relationship with him by putting our faith and our trust in Christ. Our relationship to God, our acceptance of what Christ has done at Calvary, what we've remembered at Easter, um, it's based on that, that foundation of our intrinsic value to God. Our value as human beings is inherent. The love of God for us is immutable and indestructible. No matter what we do, God will never love us any more or any less. And I find that a great comfort this morning, that God is with me even in the mundane things of life, and God is interested in me, and God values me and loves me no matter who I am or what I do and achieve in life. And for me, that's the fantastic message of this simple barbecue on a beach and this conversation between friends and this restoration of a, of a broken Peter. That, to me, is, is the real kind of heartwarming um, message and encouragement that, that God as he brought Peter back and as he, as he sat with his people, that's the relationship he wants to have with us. He wants us to know him, to be restored from um, being a, a broken humanity, to, to come to him in faith and have our, our sins taken away through what Christ has done, to spend time with us in full relationship, for us to have life and have it to the full, as Jesus said. So, we're going to sing, I believe, next. And... Uh, the song is, is My Lighthouse, isn't it? And I do like, the, the reason I mention it is because we, we start off it in my, um, in my failing and in my doubt. Yeah, and I think, you know, th- those words that, that, that Jesus, uh, that, that God's love will carry us through that are in this song um, are fantastic. So um, I'll just pray very quickly and then let's uh, sing our next song together. Oh, we're going to have people out to do the actions as well. Okay, so I'll let you deal with that. <laughs> Should we just uh, pray together? Our Lord God and and Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that we can open up your word this morning, that we can look at this very human reaction of the disciples. We can look at this simple meeting 
on the beach. We can look at this wonderful conversation between Jesus and Peter. And we can see how, Lord God and Heavenly Father, that applies to us in that you are the one who knows us as we are. You, Lord God and Heavenly Father, the psalmist would tell us, knew us as we were knitted together in our mother's womb. Um, You know what you have planned for us. You know us in every moment of our lives. And you love us, Lord God. You see the value in us. You want us to return that love and become people who are fully engaged with you and in love with you and enjoying life to the full. And we can have that if we turn in faith to you and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal saviour. As we think this morning about all that you have um, made possible through the Lord Jesus Christ, as we think about that, that great Father heart of love that you have for us, then, Lord God, we just pray that it be an encouragement to each and every one of us this morning, but also as we go out into our weeks, no matter where it is we go and what it is we do, for we ask it in and through the precious and worthy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.